For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, it's Marcos Villegas. And on today's podcast, we have a double whammy of goodness. Me and the Fight Up team review the undisputed fight between Jermel Charlo and Brian Castaño and the controversy over one of the judges' scorecards resulting in a draw for both fighters. Joseph Jojo Diaz also joins us as he speaks about his win over Javier Fortuna a few weeks back in Los Angeles, opens up about his split with his former manager and why he feels he beats Devin Haney. Enjoy. Over the weekend, uh, we finally got a chance to see if we can get another undisputed champion. This year, we've added uh, a 140 undisputed champion. And uh, salute to Edward. Thank you for the comment. Uh, and uh, we were hoping we were going to get another one now at 154 pounds, seeing that the uh, heavyweight undisputed fight fell through. And uh, we don't even know if we're going to get this uh, super middleweight undisputed fight uh, between uh, Canelo and uh, Caleb Plant. Uh, the fight, we didn't get the result that we wanted. And I think the result that we wanted is we wanted an undisputed champion, regardless of if uh, Charlo won or Castaño won. We, we just wanted to see a undisputed champion at 154 pounds. With that being said, though, uh, it was a great fight. Great, great fight. Uh, me and Yair were there uh, in attendance. Uh, both uh, Charlo and Castaño, you know, mixed it up. Both guys had their moments, but obviously the fight is marred with a, a little bit of controversy. Uh, not because of, uh, well, it is in a way. Many people felt that it wasn't a draw, but I think it was more uh, controversial because of one of the judges' scorecards. I think it, it was uh, the judge uh, Vasquez that had it like 117 mm -hmm. to 111 uh, for yeah. Jamel mm -hmm. Charlo, which I believe that's like nine rounds to three, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, nine rounds yeah. No way, no way. Like you know, Charlo had his moments, but to give Charlo nine rounds, I, uh, it's being a little, a little too generous there, right? When you fill when you fill out your uh, when you fill your scorecard out in the parking lot on the way uh, inside before you get checked by uh, the folks that check our bags, man. I mean. That's what it seemed like. The, the scorecard must have been filled out much prior to the bout because the dude just completely missed the mark. On Let's to be honest, bro, this is a wonderful job to have. Could you imagine scoring fights? You guys need to get it together, man, or start giving the people applications. Yeah, you know, and even mm -hmm. at the post-fight press conference, uh, we asked no, – no, actually, we didn't even ask. Charlo brought it up. Jermel brought it up, and he said, like, yeah, that 117 – uh, 111 scorecard is a little wide. I thought it, it was a, a lot closer. Uh, he felt it was a close fight, but uh, he felt that he won. Obviously, you know, Brian Castaño uh, feels that he won the fight. Um, Marcus, you know, we saw the fight live, me and Yair. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we, we'll tell everybody you know, how we felt we saw the fight. But you watching it from TV, how mm -hmm. did you see the fight? Uh, Who did you feel had uh, the advantage uh when the fight ended you know man to be honest like um 
it was it, it it's a trippy fight to watch. Uh, you expected um, fireworks. There were fireworks. Castaño's offense was everything as good as has that has been in other fights, except he didn't get a KO. Um, the guy is always coming forward. He's a tough out for anybody. Uh, we probably expected a little bit more uh, out of Jamel. But if you look at Jamel, uh, historically, Jamel's offense is usually about somewhere around 80, 82 percent to the head. And he's throwing in the high teens to the body to beat a guy like Castaño. You got to go to the body was straight the stabbing jabs and the right hands and the hooks underneath. He didn't throw any of those. Uh, what he did throw, he landed. He didn't throw enough to keep him off of him. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the other thing. I was thinking about uh, Jermel's past two fights, and they were um, not past two, past three, because the last one was with Rosario, and then the other ones were the, uh, the, the two fights with Harrison. And in, you know, the Harrison fights, he was behind a little bit, and, and then he, he came back and uh, – ended up getting the knockout and I kind of felt like this was kind of going that yes. way where he was behind and then uh you know he, he stunned Castaño uh, on various occasions I just felt that it, it was too little too late that uh Castaño had banked already uh, a, a lot of the rounds early on and he was just a lot more active than Charlo especially when he had Charlo against the ropes he, he was really scoring it and you know a lot of those close rounds uh, and there was a lot of close rounds, and I even put on Twitter Absolutely. that uh, I put out like I even though I <laughs> I misspelled it, but uh, I, I wrote on Twitter like, "Watch the judges are going to have it a draw because at that point, <clears throat> where, uh, at the end of the twelfth round, I had it seven five, and I felt that okay, a lot of these rounds were really close." And I could see how one of them could be flipped the other way to Jermel. And I'm like, if, if that's the case, then, yeah, we're going to have a draw. And, yeah, we ended up having a draw. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I felt, you know, in a lot of those close rounds, Castaño would steal the rounds with, you know, the last 30, 40 seconds of him either cornering Charlo or uh, just landing punches. I felt overall um, he, he landed in, in those spurts enough to give him the nods in the rounds. But it, here's the weird thing. When you look at the fight overall and you ask yourself who did the most damage in the fight, you think, well, Charlo did because he hurt Castaño like on two, three occasions. You know, he stunned him. But if you're looking at round by round by round, you know, okay, those three rounds he won. Um, the other the other ones, you know, it was clear Castaño. Uh, at the end of the night, uh, I had Castaño winning. Uh, winning. Um, I'm not in the minority uh, uh, with that. Uh, my scorecard was uh, seven to five for Castaño. Uh, I just felt that he, he got a head start, his activity. Um, he landed a lot more. And, uh, you know, in the rounds that were really, really close, I felt uh, during those instances in the last 30, 40 seconds of uh, those rounds, he pressed and he landed a lot better punches uh, than Charlo did in those rounds. And, you know, the other thing, too, is uh, I'm just surprised that Charlo didn't throw more, to be honest. Yeah, man. Um, and I think that the reason that he didn't throw more, man, is because when he was willing to exchange, uh, he was receiving incoming fire. So he had to be more defensively sound. But he was defensively sound. He did look good uh, under fire. A lot of other guys would have gotten clipped and gotten knocked out Saturday night versus uh, Castaño, man. He had fire coming out of his gloves for sure. So – I mean, he did look good on defense. And, you know, look, 
It's not Charlo looking weak or, hey, Castaño rose to the level and he shows that he's a champion and he deserves a rematch, period. Rafael Martinez, thank you for the super chat. Uh, he says, uh, Castaño won. This is how fighters get disappointed uh, of the sport. Um, so back to the 7-5, okay? So people, I, I heard some people say like, oh, it's a robbery. Um, not a robbery. 7-5 is a very close fight. And given the judges, you know, 7-5, you have three of them. If one of the judges has 7-5, pretty sure that one of the other ones has it 6-6. Six, six. So given that, you know, 7-5 is a, a one-round fight pretty much, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, not a robbery. Not, not a robbery. Uh, very close fight, very competitive fight. Uh, but I felt, you know, just given his activity that um, Castaño should have been given the draw. He, he should be undisputed right now. And, you know, it's, 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 well, in a sense, it's, it sucks for the sport because we didn't get a, a definitive undisputed. Uh, once again, we, marred in controversy because of a because of a judge um and you know people have been pointing on the chat that this judge um the judges weren't from texas uh which is kind of a weird thing you know you're, you're holding a fight in texas why aren't you using texas judges um you know maybe it was to be fair because uh, charles from texas so i, yeah. I can see it that way but yeah, there's no transparency like they, they, you know they never uh explain um things like that which uh, only sport that they do that um and uh yeah, w with that yair man we were there uh ringside um i guess what'd you make overall uh, of how you saw the fight i want to go back to what you said marcos i was sitting next to you obviously uh during the fight and you had castaño up i think we we're going into the 10th round or ninth round and you said, you know what, man, this is going to be a draw. I was like, no, this cannot be no draw. This is not going to be a draw. There's going to be a clear winner. And you were like, nope, this is going to be a draw. Just wait. And when I remember going towards the back where once the, you know, they're about to announce the card, when they say split decision, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a draw. Yeah, you know, I, I said that because I've seen so many fights that have been like that. Uh, well, one, there, there was a lot of – I think there was like two or three really close rounds that I felt neither guy really did anything impactful. Uh, and, and then, I, you know, I went back to like, well, who did more to win the round? And I'm like, well, Castaño did. He, he was coming forward, throwing punches and putting Charlo in, in, in positions that he didn't want to be in. And, and that, that's ring generalship. You know, he, he's dictating the space, the real <laughs> speed uh, of the fight. And I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to give the nod to uh, Castaño uh, in, in those rounds. But having seen like that style of fights like plenty of times before, I just kind of had a feeling like, OK, one of these judges are going to have it a draw watch. Like one, one is going to give him to Castaño. One's going to give it to Charlo because uh, they're going to put the, you know, that, that Charlo uh, landed these big punches that hurt Castaño, which now I see the reasoning behind that, the damaging punches. And then uh, the other one that was um, a, a draw and, and then the guy that had it like super wide. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that you know stood out for me when I was looking at the numbers that it said, you know, Castaño landed over 41% of his power, landed 173 punches on, on Charlo. That's the mm -hmm. most ever anybody has landed on Charlo. So I guess that's what a lot of fans are so upset because they did see that. And we did we did we did see that being ringside that Castaño was landing a lot of punches that we didn't expect that we're gonna go in. 
But I guess what the judges saw was, you know, going towards going towards the rounds. There were some rounds that 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 Charlo was just, you know, throwing those power punches, landing a lot. So maybe that's what the judges really stood out the most. But uh, I mean, I, I'm 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 happy with the draw. I'm happy with the draw. It, it's it's um, it's fair to say just because like there were some rounds that I would tell you, Marcos, I think Asayo was taking this round. He's like, nope. Charlo heard him on this one. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was one round that I remember, yeah. yeah you told there, there, was like, no. two, there was like yeah. two or three max that I told you not. I think this mm-hmm. was Kastain. You were like, no, look what happened at this round. He heard him like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then there was other mm-hmm. rounds that, that you know, that that, that Castaño was doing the damage when he had him on the ropes. And I said, that definitely is for Castaño. Yeah, that is, that is. And I was like, hey, you know, so I, six, you know, six, six is fair. I I, I believe six. Well, six. it's a close fight. That's what it's, it's a very like, close fight. There like, was these two rounds that we could have been like, ah, like, I'm okay. Like, oh, no, I have a hard trouble. I, I honestly really think Castaño won. Like I, I could, I'm, let me rephrase that. I could see how they came up with a draw. Okay. But, but me personally, I felt that Castaño won. Uh, Hurricane Hank uh, says, you know, what about the 10-8 round? I think one of the judges gave a 10-8 round, right? I didn't. Yeah, I think it was Steve Weisfeld uh, that gave a 10-8 round where he uh, he had buzzed Castaño mm-hmm. and uh, DSV Co. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, we'll get to that right now. But, yeah, you know, I, from what I was taught and told um, from Steve Farhood, because Steve Farhood um, really taught me a lot about scoring fights for TV, um, you know, you can score a 10-8 round uh, where there is no knockdown, but it has to be such a dominant beatdown of the opponent where he's staggering multiple times and that guy is just getting the piss, the absolute dog crap beat out of them that you have to give it a 10-8 round. But if that's not happening and there's no knockdown, you don't give you, – you you can, but you'll be chastised for it, um, you know, just like you can give a 10-10 round. Um, but, yeah, I don't – you know, he – Castaño was buzzed in those um, instances, but I don't see how uh, the judge, and, you know, I, I could be wrong. I had read that it was Steve Weisfeld that gave the 10-8, but I could, I just, I don't know how you can give a 10-8 given that. I didn't think it was, he was getting a wallop to, to be able to go yeah. ahead and quantify a, a, a 10-8 round. Uh, DSV gave Charlo 1-2. Five, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. That's seven rounds to five. I, I felt he he won the last three, and then because he hurt Castaño in the tenth, and then he hurt Castaño again. I, I believe it would have been the fifth, uh, but I felt the other uh, the other rounds. Uh, that was three, four, uh, and maybe maybe round one. I would have. I don't know. I gotta go back to my Twitter, but yeah, I only gave him uh, five rounds in, in the fight. Uh, there's another super chat here. Five and nine swing rounds. Yeah, there you go. I, I felt that, yeah, there, there could have been a swing round. Because there was one round where I was like, I had it even. And I was like, shoot, who do I give this round to? And then that's when I fought back. Okay, well, who did more to win the round? Um, and, and you're going to get a lot of instances in those. And, and you know, I, I get those instances too. Uh, when I'm, I'm scoring on, on TV is where not a lot happens. They landed the same amount of punches. There's nothing really significant uh, or, or really attention grabbing uh, that landed. There's nothing in, in particular damaging wise that landed. So then you got to go to the other criteria that uh, these judges go to to give that round when when something like that happens. Uh, the easiest way that I was taught for me was when it's super close like that. You got to go 
think, okay, who did the most to win that round? You know, and you, that's when the, the other criteria comes in, the ring generalship, um, defense, you know, um, all those things. And activity doesn't always win you rounds. It's, you got to be effective with the activity. Uh, I'm going to get the exact um, – and this is, you know, according to the WBC uh, because that, that's the training that I had with them. Um, they call it 3D judging, and it's damage, domination, and disruption. So damage, obviously, you know, knock down, you're staggering your opponent, you're sna snapping the opponent's uh, head back, you know, body blows that significantly slow the opponent down. If, if it's an even fight, like I was saying, a lot of those rounds were, and, and there's nothing significant that's landing, then you look for domination. You know, distinct, distinct advantage in punches landed. That's a big thing. If you land more punches than your opponent nine times out of ten, you're going to win the round. Uh, unless, you know, they're like pitter-pat shots, which you got to make a choice if those pitter-pat shots um, quantify the guy winning the round as opposed to the other guy landing big, hard, damaging punches. So distinct advantage in punches landed, repeatedly initiates the action, repeatedly lands punches first and last in exchanges. Uh, after that, disruption. Counter punches, punches that make the opponent hold, grab, punches that force rivals into defensive positions. Disruption, ring generalship, you know, cornering the guy or cutting the ring off or putting him in a position where they don't want to be, where you could see the other fighter is putting him in that position. Every round is a fight. Every boxer's priority is to stop your opponent from punching you. Hit and don't get hit. And the biggest thing with the judges, the and we've discussed this time and time again on the the live chat, guys. You know, the, the main point of a fight is to hurt your opponent. You know, and that's what these judges are looking at. They're looking at blows that are hurting your opponent. So, you know, a lot of the times when we get a guy like Deontay Wilder, uh, there was rounds there that the judges gave him against, uh, I believe, Luis Ortiz, and I, I knew what they were looking at, and I knew. Okay, I, I know why they gave him this round because they're, they're looking at how damaging the punches are from Wilder. And they're like, well, you know, Ortiz, these are just point shots. They're not as effective as Wilder's bombs because Wilder landed, you know, these four bombs in this round and it really freaking shook up Luis Ortiz. And they gave him that round. So yeah, that's what they go ahead and uh, uh, look at criteria wise. And, and that's what was uh, taught to, to us in the uh, WBC judging certification program that they put their judges to as well. I mean, man, I feel like, um, you know, yeah, Charlo gave up action against Castaño on the ropes. Um, I felt like he went to the ropes willingly at times, uh, and at other times he did not. I know that he received – there was a couple of different rounds where he took some pretty big shots uh, starting off in the third round. Um he took the they exchanged hooks uh, several times on the ropes and uh, he ended up getting caught with one. They exchanged again. He came back around and got hit more solidly with the other one. And everybody says, oh, and that's when they say his knees buckled. But if you go back and look at the fight, man, I just challenge you just to go back and look at it. What, what happened was when he took that second hook. He showed hyper defensive responsibility. That dip that he did was on his own volition. He did not. That wasn't a lose your lose yourself moment. 
that was hyper defense by him. Um, and it happened a couple of different times during the fight. I know that a lot of people are looking for him to get buzzed and dazed. He did take some solid punches. He didn't look ever to lose his eyes or to lose his legs. Um, Castaño landed solid punches, but I don't think that he really hurt Charlo badly. Yeah, this guy right here is mentioning the flurries on the ropes. He missed a lot of punches. Yeah, he missed a lot of punches, but he landed a lot more punches. He he landed a lot more punches, though. He landed if you look at the punch stats, he outlanded, outworked him. He outlanded uh, you know? by like 23 punches, though, wasn't it? Yair it was somewhere around that area. Yeah, 22 punches. It was like 23 total punches. So look, look at the punches landed. Yeah, um, the punches landed. He did land more, Hank. Yeah. But it's a close fight. 23 punches more. That, that That's an indication of uh, it's a really close fight. If it's something where it was like 30, 40 punches more than, yeah, you know, 23 punches, that's in the realm of it being a, a, an extremely uh, close fight. Um, at the post-fight press conference, it, you know, they mentioned rematch, but then I kind of saw – I took away from it like they're not sure because of the sanctioning bodies, because of the mandatories that they have to go through. And I just kind of left there like, what, what? the heck? Like, how, why are they not pushing for immediate, you know, rematch? And I just kind of left there like, scratching my head. Oh, God. Um, yeah. I know, right? But regardless if we don't get the rematch, one thing that we can say that Castaño's obviously stock went up and something that we would love to see because Castaño's been on the radar, but now this fight really exploded him. Although we, we saw that he got buckled a couple of times, but even there was an instance, Marcos, when he got buckled on the ropes, and even those, you know, Charlo was trying to land those punches, those hard punches. He Castaño was marbles too. Yeah, and he would still try to catch him, like you said, Marcus, like with a hook. And, and I believe that Castaño, even though if – Possibly, I hope we do. I hope we do get the you know the rematch. But if he doesn't, I think any fight he'll be in, be in will be a must watch attraction. And Mark Mark Marcos can tell you that even after the fight, <clears throat> you know when we were talking to fighters and and reporters, uh, Castan, there was fans waiting for him like almost in every section, right, Marcos? Like there was just fans. Oh no, th this fight definitely made uh, Castan's yeah. stock go up big time, like a big, big time. Big so time. There was yeah. fans like along his side that stayed at least the, the fight was over like what i forgot anytime but people stayed over about 45 minutes just to, you know and they were treating him like you know he was uh the winner you know a lot of them were treating him like a winner and even speaking with his his brother his wife and his dad they were like nope we won we're, we're happy okay yeah there was a draw but we know that we won and it, this just you know elevated him a little bit more. Well, high, yeah, it certainly it, it, elevated it, him a lot. And and regardless, it got him more fans. That's yeah, for sure. It got him a lot more fans. More, more raza, right? There was there was Mexicans there. There was few Argentinians, but those few Argentinians that were there were loud. Oh, but they're always loud, bro. They're always loud. loud. They were loud, 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 loud. They were intimidated. They were, even during the way, and they were loud. They were making sure that they would try to get the char, uh, Charlo, uh, uh, you know. I'm focused, but yeah, what, what an amazing fight. What an amazing fight we were gifted. And I, to the boxing gods, please let this happen before the year ends. Please let this happen. Yeah, we, we, we shall see, right? <laughs> no, no. If, if, you ever, if you've ever been to a fight with an Argentine fighter and, and the, that Argentine fighter actually has like a, a, a good fan base, they're loud. And if you see the Argentine fans uh, for like soccer, aka football or any other sports, uh, they get very lively. Uh, like I mentioned to you guys, we we're going to have a special guest here uh, today with us. And now joining us, Mr. Joseph Jojo Diaz, fresh off of his win against Javier Fortuna. Jojo, man, welcome to the live chat. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you guys doing? Great, man. What's up, Jojo, bro? Hey, 
Everything's good, man. Just uh, re recovering. I had a little couple of injuries from the fight, my cut, a little hand injury. So I'm just relaxing, making sure that my body's getting back to normal so I could go ham and get this Devin Haney fight and, and train train harder than I did my last fight, man, because I really – that's that's the fight that I'm – Oh, no. There we go. We got you back. I think we, we lost you for a little – there we go. We there got we you go. back, JoJo. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the Devin Haney fight, that's the fight that I, I'm really, really pushing forward <clears throat> right now, man. Uh, like I said, I, I'm the type of person that wants to challenge myself and wants to fight the best fighters. And uh, I know that Devin Haney is an up-and-coming fighter that has a lot of respect and that has, you know, a lot of people behind him. And I'm, I'm willing to take on that challenge. And I know for a fact that I'm going to beat him, man. I don't think he has the experience. I don't think he shared uh, the ring with the, the, the knowledge that I have shared that ring with and i think that that's going to be one of the key factors to my victory before we we step on on that your performance uh we just gotta ask you we've been discussing uh, it for like half an hour now about this uh charlo castano fight did you see it jojo and if you did who'd you think won the fight man i actually i actually didn't see it i watched a couple of highlights of it but i didn't actually see the actual fight i was in phoenix arizona for the for the nba finals game man so I was oh nice yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, you know, you're uh, relaxing, enjoying your time off. Uh, yeah, let's get to uh, your fight, man. You One, you mentioned the cut and the hand. How bad is the cut? It's not like the Tevin Farmer fight. No, nah, no. Nah, the cut, uh, it's it's from the it's from the cut from the Tevin Farmer fight. But oh, it is. It, yeah, but it just cut like a little bit on the outside of it. So I only had to get three to four stitches done on it. Not too much. The, the, the Tevin Farmer fight, man, I had like 18 stitches on there. Uh, this one is nothing bad. They said uh, that they're gonna pull it out next uh, this week, the stitches, and that it should heal like within three months. Mm. And the hand, I see it, it is a little. Your knuckle looks swollen as hell. What happened to your hand? Yeah, it's it's. I messed it up in the sixth round, man. It's it's basically my whole hand. Uh, so it's like on the top part, and it's my knuckle. But um, that fucking Javier Fatuna, man, he had a big ass head, dude. It was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty hard. I was hitting him. I was hitting him with some some shots too, and. Yeah. Uh, I know that I was rattling him, but one time I, I shot a shot and I thought I was going to hit him uh, in the temple, uh, but he's pretty smart and he's, ex he's an experienced fighter. So when I threw the shot, he ducked down so I could hit him on his forehead and I hit, I hit his forehead and that's when I really felt the injury. Wow. You overall, man, uh, I guess, how did you feel at 135, man? Because, you know, looking at you at the weigh and, and looking at you at the fight as well, I, I felt like you look a lot more solid, dude. Like, way more stronger at 135. Man, dude, I feel I feel <clears throat> incredible at 135. I think it's because my body is just naturally filled out already. My whole entire career, I try to, I try to make 122. Then I, I fought at 126. And then I went to 130, but man, I've been fighting at that weight since I was 16, 17 year, years old, all the way until the Olympic days, man. So I think me going up in weight wow. just benefited my body because not only was it growing and it was maturing, it was able to fill out in all the right places that I needed it to fill out. So um, at 130, it was still difficult for me to make the weight. I think I could still make 130 if I, if depending on the fight, but at 135, man, I feel like that's my natural weight because I am a, a husky guy. I walk around about like 150, 153 just normally without dieting and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I maintain that weight. And when <clears> I'm <throat> when I when I'm when I'm in camp, I want to make sure that I'm not dropping that much weight because that right there takes a, a really, really serious toll and of effect inside the fight. So I want to make sure that I have the full on energy and I had the power 
these guys can't hurt me, man, at 135. I know for a fact they can't because I've been sparring bigger guys my whole entire life, and I've already felt a lot of power <laughs> that my body's already accustomed to and already used to. So I feel like the power and my, my strength is there, but also my conditioning and my overwhelmingness, I think that I, that actually is going to be a, a real benefit, beneficial factor for me at 135 pounds because I feel like the guys are not going to be able to keep up with my tempo. So given that, what what keeps you at 130? Like, what fight is there that will keep you at 130? Because it, it, it sounds like you're, you, you want to stay at 135. I do want to stay at 135. But the, the only fights that I'll accept at 130 is Oscar Valdez. Oscar Valdez and Jamal Herring. Those are the only fights that I'll accept at 130. Um, I, I, I wouldn't move down for any other, any other fight. I feel like Rockimov, I beat Rockimov already. I just didn't make the weight. I feel like I won that fight. Um, even even with my body being depleted, I feel like I still did enough and did the job that I had to do to win the fight. I was 90 more cleaner shots, so I feel like a rematch with him is just is not even <clears throat> important to me and, and in my career. I want to get the bigger fights as 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 possible so that way I could, you know, excite the fans and give the fight fans what they want to see. And I think a fight with me and Oscar Valdez makes very, very good sense. I mean, we're Bro, both that's an awesome fight with you and Oscar. Absolutely. Man, I'm that's an you, awesome man. fight. I know. That's why, like, I, I'm really I, – I told MTK and stuff, too, that um, the only way I'll go back down if I get Oscar Valdez or Jamal Hearing. I, I feel like those are the best, biggest fights at 130 pounds. And um, after that, then once I have a bout at 130 again, then, I mean, I could go and challenge, like, Secure Stevenson. And we, we could make something happen like that, too, because I feel like those fights are, are will be very beneficial for my career and for theirs as well. So – it's all about just doing the right thing and, and networking and just making the right fights possible for my career right now. And I, I just think that right now I, I, I'm in a good place and in a good uh, spot where I'm able to uh, have multiple opportunities and multiple fights like with Devin Haney, Javante yeah. Davis, uh, Ryan Garcia, Oscar Valdez. Whatever, whatever guy is willing to step up and to fight me, I, I want to take the fight, man. I, I'm the type of person that's not going to back, back down from anybody. Now, you mentioned uh, Oscar Valdez, but uh, after your fight and the interviews, I know Marcus was there and he spoke to you as well. Uh, you mentioned Devin. Obviously, you know, your fight was to be the mandatory for uh, Devin Haney. So is that the next most likely fight for you is to fight Devin Haney? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm, 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 I hear Devin Haney talking all this shit on uh, social media, saying that he's going to accept the fight and saying all this bullshit. But I, I really, I really hope that he's really about it, man. Because I already talked to my people to send that offer and and to get the the contract signed so we could, you know, get the balls rolling. I already told them I, I'll agree to it. I, I'm willing to fight them. So now I'm just waiting for the contract from MTK and from my people to send it out to Devin Haney's people and and hopefully we can get lock, something locked in. But that is the fight that I'm really pushing for uh, for this for this next one, man. Because. I feel like it's 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 the perfect opportunity and it's and it's the perfect timing for both of our guy for both of our careers for my career and for Devin Haney's career. Man, he he's been fighting good, uh, not not elite fighters. The only elite fighter that I think he fought is Jorge Linares. Gamboa's already washed up and Gamboa gave him a little bit of trouble, but I think that Jorge Linares was an elite fighter that he he finally got some recognition and got some exposure and got that experience that he needs. But now it's about all right, are you really about that? Are you really a good fighter and stuff like that? And I feel like a person like myself is going to take him to that point and going to take uh, and going to give him that challenge and going to make him, you know, think a lot more inside that ring than just thinking it's easy in there and stuff. I, I'm going to make it, I'm going to have a, 
it's going to be like a chess match in there, man. I'm going to make him think, and I'm going to I'm going to take him to places that he's never been, both phys- physically and mentally. Yeah, curious. You know, what was your takeaway from his fight with Jorge? Because a lot of people felt that uh, Jorge um, exposed him. Nah, I, I don't think he. I don't think he exposed him. I just think that he got caught with a good shot. He was hurt. I think Jorge Linares, man, fucked up on the opportunity and didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Once you have a guy hurt, man, you got to just go and tee off, man. You fuck with what the ref's saying. Go and just hit him and, and make sure that that brain is still, like, rattled and you're not thinking straight. That, that's what you had to do. And I feel like Devin Haney did a, a tremendous job by outboxing him, using his distance, keeping him on the, uh, on the inside, smug, uh, smothering him, and then finding him on the outside again. I thought he did a tremendous, tremendous job until that point, but he still did good as well because he was able to adapt and he was able to overcome that. Um, I think I just think that Horlanares was a little inexperienced, not inexperienced, but didn't take advantage of the opportunity where <coughs> he probably could have got Devin Haney out of there because Devin Haney was shook, man. He was he was out of it for, for about from from that tenth round all the way to the end of the fight. It looked like he wasn't there anymore, like his, his mind wasn't there and everything. And I but I just think that Horlanares just didn't let go. I don't know if he blew his load or just didn't have any more, didn't have any more gas in the tank, but it was just, man, he, if he just would have just threw a little more combinations right there at the end, man, he would have got him out of there, I think. And Jojo, let me ask you a question in particular, right? Um, I got a chance to, I just actually, uh, about an hour and a half ago, I got off the phone with your strength and conditioning coach, Daryl Hudson. Yeah. Uh, Daryl and I talked from time to time. We met at the fight. Uh, that night uh, a couple weeks ago he told me he said that number one he wanted you to trust your conditioning a lot more and he also let me know that you guys have actually started uh, game planning about the next camp that he only allows you to take about two weeks off and then he keeps you right oh yeah absolutely um even my last fight my last fight uh after the the rocking muff fight me and Daryl, we just planned it, man, because we that was just like a nightmare for me, bro. Like everything that happened, getting fined one hundred fifty thousand dollars, losing my losing my title on the scale, man. It was just like I was in a bad place, man. But I knew that I had to just stay strong, and I knew that there was gonna be another opportunity to come if I just stayed strong and kept working. So I I, I trust him. Me and Daryl, we've been we've been way back, man. He's been training me since I was seventeen years old. So yeah. I told him everything was going on. He was like, man, let's just keep focused. Let's just go back to work. So right away, man, a lot of people don't know this, but I had I had about like a five, like a four to five month training camp against for uh, getting ready for Javier Fortuna because I wasn't yeah. like training hard in the boxing gym, but I was making sure that I was getting my body right just physically to to make that attempt at 135 because I knew that there might be an opportunity for me to fight at 135 or 130. So I wanted to make sure that we we're getting everything right. And uh, that's what we did. And everything went good. And now we're doing the exact same thing. We know that these next few fights are going to be the biggest fights in my career. Javier Fortuna was my biggest fight today after the Tevin Farmer. But now after the Javier Fortuna, if I get Devin Haney, man, that's going to be my biggest fight to date. After Devin Haney, I might get Javante Davis or Ryan Garcia. So that's going to be my biggest fight to date. So I know that these this is the opportunity where I just got to grasp it and really like take advantage of my my boxing career, my and 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 my life 
by just being constantly that boxer and, and constantly having that mental aspect where I just got to bust my ass every fucking week, every day, making sure that I'm maintaining my weight, making sure that I'm getting smarter, making sure that I'm getting stronger, both physically and mentally. So that way, when I'm inside those dreams with these tougher opponents, man, I'm going to be the best I, that I possibly can be that night and, and put on a great performance. You alluded to it, uh, Jojo, just now, but, um, well, actually, you alluded to two things. One is, uh, what's spurring you wanting to get these fights now um, at, at this point of your career? Is it because you just became a dad and it put a lot of things in perspective for you, or do you feel like now is like the time is right? Like, what, what's spurring this now? I think it's it's a little bit of both, man. I just think that uh, my son... My son definitely has a lot to do with with my my mental aspect and my motivation to to be the best fighter that I possibly can be. But also, man, like I just been thinking about it just recently. Like, damn, man, I'm literally living my dream. Like, ever since I was 12 years old, I've always dreamt about fighting on big stages. I always dreamt about being a champion. I always dreamt about these big these big opportunities that are actually happening for myself. So that right there gives me that joy, and that right there gives me that motivation and to, to even know that I'm only 28 years old and I, I'm at my physical physical and mental prime right now where where I feel like I'm unstoppable in that ring. I feel like nobody could beat me when I'm at my best. When, I, when I'm like very, very focused and very determined, I feel like nobody could beat me. And that right there is giving me the motivation to just challenge these these fighters, these up-and-coming fighters, or these fighters that people say that are going to be the next time greats because at the end of the day, my legacy means a lot to me as well. And I want to make sure that I go down uh, in the history books, in the boxing history books, as, as one of the best fighters that has ever fought and that has challenged all the best fighters in his era. And the other thing, Jojo, um, you know, you, you mentioned it also, um, and, and I've actually you know, been wanting to ask you about it. And, and, you know, you just answer however much you want to answer. But, like, what has been going on the past few months, bro? Because you, you've mentioned in multiple interviews, like, it just wasn't good stuff, like, happening in your life. Like, what, what the hell happened? Man, it was, it was a, lot of, a lot of just bullshit, bro. Like, just, uh, it was most, mostly had to do with my, my management, man. My, my ex-management. Uh, yeah, um, Ralph. Ralph already, uh, yeah. They yeah. ended up, uh, you know, uh, taking me to... I ended up just finding out that there are pieces of shits, bro. That they're just fucking asshole, asshole guys that were just taking my money and that were using using my success to better them and to to put them in the spotlights. And man, even even like some of my fights, some of my fights, I had my my family, my my little my family, my mom and my dad. There were and not my dad because my dad's my trainer, but my family, my my sisters and everybody, they would sit like on the fifteenth to fourteenth row. And Ralph and like all his people would be like right in the first row. And like this fight, oh, why not? I, and this fight, after I got him out of there, man, my all my family was in the first row supporting me and stuff like that. Like that. So I just felt like they were just taking like full advantage of me. You, know, you get me? And when I when I was in that point, I, I was just like really, really depressed. And I, I felt like I was stuck. And I felt like I couldn't actually be the person that I wanted to be and be the fighter that I wanted to be because these guys, they wanted me to to be a certain way and to act a certain way and to, to follow their path instead of letting me just be who I want to be and letting me guide and letting me do the career and let me, letting me be responsible of my career and stuff. And it, it got deep, man. It got deep where they ended up, I ended up paying Ralph about like 20, 26 or $27,000 to get my car, to get my Lexus. I paid him that. And I told him after my next fight, I was going to pay him the rest. Cause I think the Lexus was like 43 bands or something. So I told him I was going to pay him the rest after that. 
then we ended up getting into the, the, the arbitration because I ended up signing an advisory deal with MTK. Uh, the, the, I, that is nothing that, that, that is not wrong at all. That is not illegal at all. I could have, I could have my own lawyers. I could have my own advisory people that those people are going to help me better myself and better my career and give me opportunities outside of my, outside of my boxing careers to make my boxing career popping. I mean, but Ralph didn't understand that. He just thought that he wanted to be greedy and the, the management that I was with, they just wanted to be greedy and keep everything in house. I feel like, so, uh, they ended up getting butt hurt. They ended up repoing my car. I could I couldn't even have a I didn't even have a car for about two weeks. I didn't even have a car for about two weeks because they repoed my car. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't work out. So that was just a lot of it was just a lot of unnecessary bullshit, man. They they started putting my my personal life um out in out, out in the public where I feel like people shouldn't even know about uh boxers' personal lives. That that is that is personal. Like I, as long as I'm doing like my thing inside the ring and I'm training and stuff like that, then that that's all that matters. But people don't need to be knowing what I'm actually doing outside of the ring. Only if I want to share that information and for them to actually, you know, put that information out there about me, man, like just trying to slander my name and try to bring my name down and try to just ruin my career. It was just, it just, it just really hit me, bro. Like I was fucking, I was pissed and I was, I was mad, man. But I, I wanted to, I wanted to do something about it, but I knew that, the better thing, the better thing to do is just to better myself and just to keep on, just keep it pushing. Because if I let these guys get to me, and if I go out, go a certain way, then they're gonna be like, "Yeah, see, I told you so. Yeah, see, I told you so." And I'm the type of person that wants to prove people wrong. I want to prove doubters wrong. That's what motivates me. That's what keeps me strong, and that's what keeps me going. So, I ended up just avoiding it. I ended up hiring lawyers, and we ended up, man, beat, we ended up beating the case, man. We got them out of there. So. Um, that right there was a, a major, major impact in, in my happiness too, knowing that now at this time <clears> of my <throat> career, the most important time of my career, I'm able to make the most money that I possibly can for myself and for my son Zenith without having any, any middle, any middleman, you know, taking extra money from me. When, so you said you beat the case. What did the judge say? Uh, it was, the it was our, our arbitration. So yeah. we went to arbitration, yeah. the commission. Um, they ended up saying that it was just, it was just over that our relationship is over because, um, it was toxic and what Ralph was saying about me and stuff like that. I told him like, if this, if this motherfucker really thinks I'm like that, then why do you, why do you still want to sign? Like, why do you still want to keep me and stuff? Cause they still wanted to keep me before they could collect the money. I was like, dude, if you guys honestly think I'm such a bad person or if I'm this and that and stuff like that, then why are you guys even having me still? You guys should just get me out of there. Like it's all good. So the commission ended up seeing that they ended up um then they ended up agreeing to uh to ha uh, having them get out of the contract. We ended up getting it out of the contract, but my last fight with Javier Fortuna, I still had to, I still had to make a payment to them just to finally that's it. Like we're we're completely done now. So I I give them a payment, and now we're we're completely done. It's over, and now when I get these bigger fights, everything's gonna just be for myself now. Dang, how did they end up taking your car, bro? It's fucking bullshit, man. Because the thing was, he, my, I was on the, I was on the, I was on the name, but he was, he was the main person on the name. He put himself as the main person on the name. So when I, when I fucking, I, dude, it was crazy. Cause I, I was fucking, I was, I was, I was literally woke up, get, got ready for the gym and shit like that. And I walked down the, the house. I don't even know how, where he, I don't even know how he found out where I lived and stuff. He must have found out by somebody or looked it up or some shit because I don't even know how he found out where I live. So I ended up walking down the walking down the house. 
I opened the door and my car wasn't there. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, damn, somebody robbed me. So I ended up I ended up calling the cops right away. I was like, yo, like somebody stole my shit. Woo-de-woo. And then they ended up uh they ended up saying that no, like they repoed it. Like they the owner of their car got a repo. Oh, wow. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the owner of the car. Like I, I paid cash for that and stuff like that. They're like, no. Um the owner said that they had to take it and stuff like that. So I was like, man, that's some bullshit. So the thing is, the arbitration is already over, but now we're gonna take them to federal federal court and oh, make wow. sure that I get make sure that I get all my money back and make sure that all the money that they have took from me from my whole career and stuff like that. I want to make sure that I get back. Wow, that's crazy. See, crazy. all that I, I know all that man. Just I, you know, I, I just know that you, you and them went, you know, went back since the beginning. You know. Yeah, man. And the the sad thing is, bro, is like I honestly really trusted these people, man. I I always gave them the benefit of the doubt. I always like let them let them uh, let them slide, dude. And I feel like I. I did I did that too much to the point where they were like taking advantage and they thought that they could take advantage of me and they always thought that I was always just gonna be there to the point where I was just like man like enough's enough dude like I'm not happy with my career I should I should be happy man especially if I'm living my dream and I'm doing everything for myself training hard doing all the stuff putting all the work in sacrificing my life like at the end of the day I should be the one happy I should be the one um, feeling joy and feeling happiness and I wasn't man that that for about like six or seven years, I was, I was unhappy, dude. But I finally, it just finally hit me, man. And I was like, man, I got to make a change, dude. So I ended up just finally just making the change and damn, man, it, it, it was the best decision that I ever made in my life because I feel like if I wouldn't have made that change, I, I honestly don't know where I would be right now, man. I honestly really don't because I don't know if these guys would be get, get, getting me the big fights that I, I have been pushing for and that I have been, been demanding and been putting on on social media i, I don't think that they would have they they even had a hard time getting me the tevin farmer fight but i was being so forceful with golden boy and, and ralph where I, I i made that happen for myself and i was i was very very fortunate that i i was blessed by god and, and just by the opportunity where i was able to do that but if if i i feel like if i still have if i still had them to this day Man, I don't. Th- I don't think I would have got the Javier Fortuna fight. That's for sure. I don't think that fight would have happened. So, so at this point, everything else is good now. Like I, I, I noticed because I went and saw you know you you have a, a lot more closer of a circle now as compared to before. Oh, absolutely, man. Everything the vision is more clear now to me. I, I already know exactly everything that I've been through in my life. I feel like it was just challenges, but it was also learning experience for me, man. I just knew that I had to go through that hands-on i can't let people tell me what what to go through i had to feel i had to feel the emotions and i had to go through it man in order for me to be a stronger person and and a stronger being both physically and mentally because now i'm more aware of who i bring around with me and now i now i feel like i'm i'm more in charge of my life and i'm more in charge of my career where i'm like in charge of everything i'm in charge of my team i'm in charge of uh of my people making sure that they're they're on me, making sure that they're they're keeping me positive, making sure that this and that instead of all this other stuff. And so everything is now like extremely, extremely tight in my career. Where man, I I'm just extremely, extremely happy. I'm very fortunate that I brought in my friend Julio uh, Robles. He's he's the new guy that I brought into the team. Where he's 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 been pushing me. And usually before back then, I used to just work out by myself all the time and. When you work out by yourself, it kind of gets boring. Like you don't motivate you, you. You have to. It's it's hard to get that motivation because you're that just push. working out by yourself. Yeah. But now that I brought this guy in, he's 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 running with me. He's putting in the work. He's making sure that 
whenever I, if I call him at one o'clock in the morning and go running, he's there in my house. We go running, we do five miles and stuff like that. So it's always good to have that guy. And he's, and he's now that my dad's getting older, he's going to start like going, doing the mitts, making sure that he's energized so I could get the full rounds that I really need. So everything has just been going great now, man. I, I'm extremely excited. I'm extremely happy. And I just can't wait until this next fight, man, because I feel like it's just my career is just barely getting started now. And I, the, the fights that I'm going to be bringing and the excitement that I'm going to be bringing to the, to the, to the fight fans and to the boxing world. I just feel like it's, it's going to be amazing just for the sport of boxing. So this fight with Devin, man, what happens, you know, how, how do you match up with Devin? Let us know, you know, how do you see him and how do you see yourself in that? Devin's a Devin. Don't get me wrong. He's a hell of a fighter, man. He's good. He's a great boxer, but I don't want to give out my game plan or anything. No, no, no. Just, yeah, but I, I yeah. just know I just know that I have I have a bigger heart and I have a stronger will than him. And I'm gonna take him to a place that he he's never been. He's never witnessed or never been through anything that I've been through in, in my life. I feel like he he's made it the easy way to his success. And I feel like I made it the hard way. I've been through a lot of stuff, both physically and mentally, where uh, I have I have a bigger heart and I'm gonna take it to him and I'm gonna make sure that he feels my pain going into the fight. And going and and inside the fight, and I'm gonna just gonna I'm gonna punish him, man. I'm gonna make sure that he knows that there's different levels to this shit. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel that he? When you say different levels, what what makes you feel that he's not at the level of, of you? He don't have the heart. You don't have the heart. I feel like if you would get cut or if you would get hurt, he, he would back away. I'm the type of person that if I have a if I have a cut, I block all that shit out, man, because. I turn into a different, uh, a different animal when I'm inside that ring, man. I, I'm just locked in and I'm and I'm focused and and I, I don't let nothing fear me. And I feel like uh, that right there, I'm I'm fearless. And I feel like that right there is is going to be one of the key factors uh, for my success with Devin because no matter what he's bringing to the table, no matter what he's throwing at me, no matter what he's going to try to hit me with, if he's going to try to throw that stick jab to the body, I'm going to keep on coming. I'm going to keep on coming for 12 rounds non-stop, non-stop pressure, non-stop body shots, non-stop head shots. I'm going to, I'm going to put it on him. I'm going to put it on him and we're going to see who breaks first. Is there, I guess, given from what you've seen in his fights, like what have you seen there that makes you feel that if he does get a cut or does get hurt that like he, he won't bite down like is there something that sticks out to you or it's just like a, a gut feeling on your end no nah, i mean uh, when you're a fighter man you can see little flaws that the fighters have and stuff and you can see like when when i when i watch fights and stuff i see when somebody gets hurt or i see when somebody like if they got caught with a good shot but it, it don't look like it like it was a good shot i was like man like that motherfucker hurt like i know and you could you could tell like the backpedaling or they're trying to adjust and act like nothing happened and stuff like that so I, I, I've seen a couple of fights of Devin uh, of Devin Haney, and I've seen a couple of those those opportunities where if I see that shit, I'm gonna go after it. Mm, man, that's that's a great fight, right, guys? Like, I'd love to see him and, and Devin, and I think it, it makes sense too. You know, given like you won your fight and you're the mandatory, you're you're supposed to be fighting uh, Devin, but I, I think you know two young guys uh, in their primes. Um, you know, you you've fought the some of like. The, Probably like the one of the hardest guys of the past few years in Gary Russell, you know, and you learned a lot uh, from that fight. And, you know, Devin, Devin's, you know, been stepping up little by little. I, that's that's a tremendous fight. I really hope that uh, Golden Boy uh, is able to get it, though. I, I heard something that like Devin's like a free free agent now or something like that. Right. 
Yeah, he's a free agent. And um, I already told Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya is all, all for it. Um, I told my advisory people that they're all, they're all for it, too. My team's all for it. So uh, now the ball's just on Devin Haney's court, if he's going to accept the fight or not. I don't want to be playing <laughs> – I don't want to be playing these games either. I don't want to just be going back and forth like how him and Ryan been going and how him and like all these other fighters been going. Like, let's just make the fucking fight happen. Like, just get the contract, sign the contract, and let's get it going, man. Like, enough's enough. Enough enough. Enough talking is enough talking. Like, let's just get on in the ring already. When do you think the fight would happen? Um, I would say it would happen most likely late November, early December, due to my hand injury and due to my cut. I want to make sure that I'm going in there. A hundred percent. I don't. I don't want to make. Sh- I don't want to go in there having like something in the back of my mind where like, oh fuck, like I gotta make sure I don't get hit with that shot because it's gonna open up again, or I can't throw the shot because my hand hurts. I want to make sure that I'm I'm one hundred and ten percent ready for this for this fight because it's the biggest fight of my career and it's the biggest fight of his career and it's gonna be a big fight for the boxing fans. So I want to make sure that I put on the best best performance possible. So I think. Late November, early December, I'll be 100% and I'll be ready to go. So this is like four or five months, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jojo, Marcos touched on this earlier, but I wanted to ask you uh, and ask you to elaborate. Uh, we all know those of us that are in the boxing world that Devin Haney and um, and Gary Russell Jr. had to go back and forth a couple of months ago. They were going back and forth with each other. How did your fight with Gary Russell Jr., prepare you uh for a potential showdown with Devin Haney. What is what is what does Gary Russell Jr. do better than Devin Haney does? Yeah, first of all, man, he's the fastest fucking person I've ever seen in my whole entire life that I ever fought in my whole entire life, man. His hand speed is is crazy. Um also I just feel like there was a lot of there was a lot of factors in that fight that 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 um that paid off for 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 uh, Gary Russell. I feel like he was a lot he was a lot faster. He didn't have that much pop in his shots where like that could phase me. But the referee had a lot to do with it as well. I feel like when I was inside the pocket in the first couple of rounds, I was landing some good body blows. The referee was letting me fight on the inside. If you go back and watch the fight later on, like in the fourth, fifth, all the way to the end of the fight, right when I would get on the inside with Gary Russell Jr. The the referee will separate us. Though he wouldn't let me throw any body shots. He wouldn't let me dictate the pace. He wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let us fight on the inside. He would have separated us right away, so that way Gary Russell Jr. could establish his jab again and, and fight me on the outside and keep that speed and keep that momentum because that's what Gary Russell does. He he's the type of fighter that wants you to just be um be on the on the back foot and, and be always alert just mentally because he's putting a lot of uh, hands on you. They're not they're not hard. Are they not? They're they're crisp, but they're not hard. But he just sets you up, and then right when you open up, that's when he lands that hook, and that's when he tries to knock you out with that hook. But um, I just feel like it was there was a lot of factors in that fight where I feel like I, if if there was different outcomes in it, it would have been a different story. But like I said, it was a learning experience for me because it made me learn that no matter what, I got to take more risks in there, especially due to opportunities, man. Like that was for the WBC title. Uh, at 126 pounds, man, I should have took more risks in there. I feel like I was blocking way too much. I, I didn't open up as as much as I should have. Um, I didn't take a lot of risk in that fight. Where I think if I would have, I would it would have been a different story. So that made me mature a lot more, and that made me understand that now, okay, every single fight is an important fight. Where I, no matter what, no matter how I'm feeling in there, 
I know that I got to come out on top and I know that I got to win. Like, even if I'm feeling hurt and stuff like that, or if I'm feeling tired or fatigued, I know that I, this is like, this is all that I trained for. And this is everything. This is everything for me right now. So I'm living in the moment. I got to grasp this opportunity and do what I got to do. Now, someone here on the fan chat asked if you would want a rematch with Gary, or do you see that ever happening in the future? I think it will, man. I honestly think it will. I, I would love to fight Gary Russell again, maybe at 135 pounds, because he, he's planning on moving up too. Because I don't think nobody wants to fight him at 126 pounds. So if Gary Russell, yeah, you were like one of the only guys that was like willing to fight him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, I, I don't think nobody wants to fight him anymore because, like I said, he's he's smart. And he knows when to slam his shots in. Like, right when he sees you opening up, that's when he slams his fucking hook in because he's so quick and that shot's going to land. So right when you try to open up, that's when he lands his shot, man. And that's and that's when you could seriously get hurt. Jojo, first of all, congratulations on the big win a few weeks ago. Uh, great performance. You know, we all loved – we all enjoyed it. You know, we saw another another fight. You know, you had, your heart was there. You know, a lot of people are asking, even the fans here on, on the chat are asking about Javante Tank Davis. Obviously, that would be a fight that could be in, you know, three different weight class, 130, 135, 140. Would that be a fight that would be interesting for you if that Devin Haney doesn't come around and in what weight class? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I would love to fight. I would love to fight Tank Davis, man. I I feel like me and Tank Davis is a, is, uh, a pay-per-view fight, man. I feel like it's a fight where it will be like like an Oscar De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather type fight. I, I think that we would both bring – not even that, man. I feel like it would be like a Shane Mosley, Oscar De La Hoya, because of just like the the excitement and just of like the nonstop punching and the, the pressure that Javante brings and the pressure that I bring. I think it would just be a toe-to-toe fight. I think it would be a very, very exciting fight. Um, I, I, I'll be willing to fight because Javante, he's a little guy like me. He's, he's, he's small, but he's stocky, and he's pretty, he's pretty stocky. So if he wants to fight at 140 or if he wants to fight at 135 or 130, I'll be willing to fluctuate whatever way he wants because we're both the same size. It's not like he has any advantage over me because we both are the same size. So I, I think that that's a fight that is very intriguing. And if the opportunity presents itself, if Devin Haney don't want to fight or if something so happens where the fight is not going to be made, of course I'll be pushing for the I'll be pushing for another big fight in like Javante Davis or Ryan Garcia or something like that. Yeah. You know, going back to the fight versus Mario Barrios, obviously we saw that, you know, uh, Javante won with an uh, uh, outstanding knockout. Was there some, you know, you, can you assess the fight first and tell us what you saw in Javante? You could say, hey, these were the little problems that I could see that I could take advantage, you know, if the possibility to meet Javante Tank Davis. Barrios, I think Barrios uh, fought the wrong fight. I feel like Barrios started fighting on his back foot and started, you know, walk. Walking backwards, and Javante Davis was applying pressure where he was able to get that distance. So he would, Javante Davis would go in on the inside, Barrios would step back. Right when Barrios would step back, that's when Javante Davis would land his hard shots. Boom, 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 because he was able to get his range and get his distance. I feel like if Barrios was a little smarter in there, instead of stepping on the back foot, I feel like he should have been on the inside and smothering him, smothering his smothering him, hugging him, holding him in clinches, landing some body shots, breaking him down because he was the bigger guy in there. I just think that he just fought the wrong game plan. Thank you, Jojo. Good stuff, Jojo. Hey, man, thank you so much for uh, joining uh, with us, uh, Jojo. Really appreciate it, bro. From uh, here on out, man, wh wh what do you do? You just chill, relax, and then you get right into camp and, and hope you get that fight, right? Yeah, man. So right now I'm just chilling. This whole, this whole week I'm just chilling right now. I'm still running about five miles a day. Uh, but right now I'm just resting, letting my body recover, enjoying my time with my son, 
Um, I take them to Disneyland this weekend and oh, just, nice. just, just enjoying stuff, man. And then, um, next week, that's when I'm going to start going hard with Daryl, Daryl Hudson. And then hopefully we get that contract by next week where I can have like a solid 10 week training camp. And then that's when I'll, I'll go away, get a house and just have my whole team there and just get to fucking work. Nice. And Joe, nice. With the platform right now, if you had anything to say to Devin Haney and his team about the upcoming bout, here's your chance. What would you say? Devin Haney, come on, man. Let's make this fucking fight happen. I know that these I know the five fans, I want it. I hope that you want it truly. Um, let's make this fight happen for the five fans and let's get it going, man. Let's let's show let's showcase to the world who we are and let's give these five fans an entertaining fight. Let's go, let's make it happen. There you go. Those are the words of Joseph Jojo Diaz uh, speaking to us uh, after his win over Javier Fortuna, where uh, he became the WBC interim lightweight champion looking for a fight with Devin Haney uh, by October, November, December of this year. Jojo, man, hey, thank you so much, bro. Always great chatting with you. Thank you. Likewise, thank you, man. Jojo. Thank you so God bless. Good seeing you guys. All right, All right. Jojo. Good to see you in the gym, bro. Man, I love, I love his confidence. I just I love with Jojo, I love his confidence. <laughs> I love how he just comes out. I love how he's just and, and it's like what you said, Marcos, going back. You said nobody went to fight Gary Russell. No. And yeah, no one. But Jojo yeah, did. Was, you know, it's a tough bat, a tough fight. He stepped up. You know, Man. I want Kevin. I want Tank. I want all these Bro. fights. So, you know, there's a page in the you know in the notebook that people, you know, some fighters could take from Jojo because he's just like, hey, right now, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, so my my thing the other thing too is uh how he said that he was having a hard time uh with the farmer fight, but he really pushed for it and he got it, which takes me back to like you know, a lot of people say if a fighter really wants a fight with another fighter, it'll happen, they'll make it. So you know, we'll just leave you with, with that in terms of why sometimes fights don't get made. Uh, if a fighter really wants a fight, it's going to happen because at the end of the day, this is something that I was told very early on in the game. The promoters, the managers work for the fighters. Like, the fighters are the bosses. And, and if they want, they could be like, I want to fight this guy. And they'll be like, oh, different promoter, da, da, da. And they'd be like, I don't give a crap. Make it work. Make it happen. I want to fight this guy. And it happens. And, and you know it's like what I said. <laughs> wait, wait, what's that? Hold on. What's that face, Marcus? What, what I'm just saying, man. I mean, I I get I get all of that, man. I get all of that, and it and it sounds great, man. But you know these. Tell Danny Gar. I mean, tell tell uh, what's my boy who I, I love to death, man, Mikey Garcia. That they took what two years out of Mikey Garcia's career or something like that on the but whole. That, that was something different. That that was him trying to get out of the contract and all that. Well, that, but that's what I'm saying. I mean. The contractual man, once you kind of web in with these guys, man, you know, you're not your own boss, so to speak. It's only a couple fighters that are their own bosses. I think the best deal is to no, get all the, the fighters promoter. are their own bosses, bro. It's no, just, I don't know it, about no, it, man. Yeah, no, it's just the promoter's unwillingness to face the other guys if they can make <clears throat> in house money. Um, and, and you know, it's been done, it's been done throughout freaking whole history boxing. Absolutely. No, 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 no. I'm wrong. I'm extremely wrong. Let me retract that statement. It's yeah. been done for like the last 20, 25 years. In that makes more sense. There that makes go. more yeah. sense. Especially when you start talking about Ali Frazier yeah. uh, gating out $30 million and the fighters only splitting five of that $30 million, brother. That's unreal. Unreal. Well, what a lot of people don't know, too, is the, the cable operators take a big chunk of the pay-per-view. They take, like, half. 
Uh, a lot of people don't know that because, you know, obviously they're the ones distributing the pay-per-view. Um, I don't know how they brokered out that deal, but whoever did that negotiation, man, I want them on my team negotiating deals. Shoot. Absolutely. Seriously. It's nuts, right? They take half of the revenue from the pay-per-view. That's crazy. It's, it's insane, man. Yeah. It's a ton. But, you know, a Absolutely. lot of people uh, on the chat have mentioned, you know, who could be next for um, – Castaño and Charlo. I don't want to see anybody but the rematch, to be honest. Like, you know, I, I think they have unfinished business. And I think, you know, gotta happen. How are you gonna skip an undisputed fight, man? You know, how are you gonna skip out on that? I really hope that they don't skip the undisputed back, man. I mean, for me personally, I have zero interest in seeing either of them. Oh, let me let me back up on that for a second. I have no real in seeing them immediately fight anybody but each other. Or if Crawford, uh, then, if Crawford then I'd watch either of them. Bro, listen, all it is, all of this, there's a lot of, look, you're saying no, 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 no. Listen, I'm telling you, I can smell a Crawford and Jamel fight happening here in the future uh, in the next year and a half or so. The way that I'll these guys are going back and forth, the way that they've been going back and forth, and you can look and probably say, ah, oh, no, it's the top-ranked thing. Um, I was listening to one of his guys talking on another on another program a couple of days ago, and it looks like they've got one more piece of business at top rank, and they're looking to drop that spade on the table and call everybody's bluff. So if you've been one of those people that's out there talking crazy about Terrence Crawford and ducking or being afraid and not wanting this and that, I think Crawford is getting ready to pull a lot of your cards man, right out your back pocket. Well, hold up, Marcos. Dude, hold uh, on. Just, uh, Terrence Crawford. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. Terrence Crawford isn't scared to fight anybody. Like Absolutely People who say not. that are freaking crazy. Like this guy, Insane. like he's one. Yeah, he's mean. He's one of the few guys that Bro. is like, legit, like mean, Dude. like. He'll Dog, pull up on you, like, about you know, in person, right? In person, I think that a lot of people don't get it, man. In person, the dude is dominant amongst his peers. In person, in person, he's dominant, and he's given that right of passage amongst his peers. Try it if you, you want to. Let me tell you why not yet he deserves that fight at one fifty four. We asked that to Jamel Charlo uh, during the right after the press conference on Thursday. And, you know, mm -hmm. possibly of that or even Danny Garcia. And this is something that I love that he said, and I completely agree with him, and I back Charlo on this. He's like, okay, they're coming 154. Well, why, don't, why doesn't Danny Garcia and, and, and uh, Crawford prove to be at 154? Why do they need to come and fight me in my weight division? They need to prove to be here. Charlo said, I've proved to be in my division. They need to prove it. So, yes, that fight makes sense, but not right now. Not at 154. Not right now. They haven't proved anything. Not anything to be at, the, at that division. That's my. That's what I love that Charlo said. And he uh, well, Crawford, he that. undisputed at one forty, one of the top guys at one forty seven. I'm sorry. I <laughs> when you're talking that. about Crawford, you're not talking about a regular fighter. Uh, I know. I know. Crawford, Crawford, you're not talking about a regular fighter at all. One must pay specific attention when you start mentioning Terrence Crawford. Skill for skill, Terrence Crawford. Anybody from one forty, one fifty four. Uh, you need to look out because you're on Terrence, Cradar, uh, Terrence Crawford's radar and he very well could beat you, period. And that goes for any of the champions uh, out there, Castaño and Charlo included. Honestly. I don't disagree with anything you said. I know uh, Crawford is like, he, he, he's a prized possession. I don't disagree with that. But I don't agree that he deserves a fight right now at this moment or later 
at, at 154 just yet. I think he needs to little bit, you know, pave that road just how he's did at 140 and 147. That's just my personal opinion. That's what I stand behind. And I loved when Charlo said they said, like, why? That's just my personal opinion. So I mean, I mean styles makes that fight would be outstanding. That fight could make huge numbers. It can, but not right now. I'm sorry, Marcus. I'm sorry. We're probably gonna hate each other for a couple minutes, but I still love you, broski. (laughs) But the but the thing, but the thing that we need to recognize is that Crawford's not just a run-of-the-mill guy. If Crawford was to move up and want to challenge his his uh his his WBO constituent. At the next level, he definitely should be able to do that. So uh, that's Castaño. So if he was to step up and to get a chance to lock horns with him, uh, if they didn't want to run that right away, run it. I bet you I bet you Crawford would take that fight if it was presented to him. Yeah, any of the other fights at 154, like they're good fights. Like say, you know, um, Castaño goes into like a, a Tim Zoo fight. Uh, Charlo goes and he fights um, – some of the other guys again, um, or, or some of the other 154 pounders, even though he, he's like run through a majority of them, they're, they're good fights. But because the way this fight ended, and it's because we get so rare chances of getting it undisputed, <laughs> they got to do it. it. I just I don't see the reasoning as to why they wouldn't do it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But that was my takeaway, where no one was really sure if it was going to happen again. Man. Well, Castaño was more sure about it. He was like, "Yeah, I want to do yeah. it any city, anywhere we want." Because Castaño proved himself that I can stand in there with a with the young and, or the. Or the and watch, watch, hold on, yeah, here. I know people are going to take what I just said right now out of context. I got that feeling because of what I said earlier. Because people mentioned, "Well, we're dealing with four sanctioning bodies. We got to see if they're going to put mandatories on us, and if they do." We got to go through with their mandatories. And if you know the sanctioning bodies, some of them will give you some leeway. The WBC will probably give you leeway. The WBA will probably give you leeway. WBO and IBF are pretty damn strict with their mandatories. Uh, with the IBF not messing around. If you don't fight your mandatory, they strip you. So that that's one wrench in there uh, of getting an immediate undisputed. Because like no, if you're running it back, they should be able to run it right back. You would I think, think that's so. That's what boxing yeah. wants, man. You yeah, think the, the bodies should run it back. You but would the think the sanctioning bodies, place. yeah, but you would think the sanctioning bodies would see that and be like, all right, well, if it was any other instance, if, if you know, if it was some dumb, you know, if, if it wasn't for undisputed, yeah, but because it's for undisputed, I, I would hope they would see that and be like, okay, no, 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 we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll, we'll allow this again. Settle it, get an undisputed, you know. The dark cloud that's going to be around this is just the politics that's going to take place if we don't have that undisputed fight well, rematch. Well, but they're both PBC fighters, there, there shouldn't be any politics. But, no, I know, but what I'm saying is, you know, it, it, the, the, the sanctioning bodies, if something happens with that, you know, that, like you said, the mandatory, if that gets into place, like you said, the two other organizations that, that, that you have, they're strict on the rules. That's what I'm trying to say, the dark cloud about it. So that's what I'm saying, but, but I. Like I said before, please, the boxing gods, I'm praying, let's get that fight once again because we emphasized it a lot. And a lot of fans emphasized it. A lot of reporters, a lot of experts emphasized it. We were extremely blessed to have an undisputed fight this year. We, it's one of those that we rarely get. And it's like if we don't get Canelo versus Caleb, what else undisputed fight are we going to get this year possibly next year? It's, we don't get to see it. But definitely the fighter that wins that fight that should have won this past Saturday – it's going to go down to the Hall of Fame. Just got to take it right to the Hall of Fame right then and there. So hopefully let's just pray and, and, and push for it. But 
we, we shall see. I just, I don't have a good feeling as well. Marcos just be, you know, hearing the press conference, I just did. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a good feeling. I just don't have a good feeling. Sometimes, you know, when I say go with your gut, I was definitely going my gut on that. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't but I don't want to be negative, Nancy. I want to be positive, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Do that, man, please. Who knows, yeah, man? Yeah. Um, it's like I said, okay, if it doesn't happen, then they're going to have to do some sort of mandatory. Um, and, and, you know, because mm. Jermel has three belts, mm. he, he might be tied up mm. for like another mm. six to eight months doing mandatories. And, you know, who, who knows what happens then? He may decide like, hey, you know what? I'm fed up with 154. I'm going to move up to 160, you know, or, um, you know, other things. Let's say, you know, Castaño fights and, you know, he decides to move up, even though I think he's – He's a smaller guy, even for 154 compared to uh, Charlo and J Rock and and some of the guys. Uh, not not all of them, but some of the guys. Yeah, he's a smaller 154. You know, I thought there was going to be a huge size advantage when the the, the weighing came in mm -hmm. or the press conference, and I was like, man, this is really not a huge weight uh, uh, size difference. But remember, Marcus, what I was telling you when we were uh, watching the fight, and I said. And if just a little bit more, if Castaño was just a little bit the same height and or size of, of Charlo, this could have been a little bit more explosive fight. Because if you notice, he couldn't really jab away. He had to come in with his vicious, his vicious. Uh, uh, he had to fight more in the inside, if I'm not mistaken. So that was just a slight disadvantage uh, for, for Castaño. But still, the dog came out of him, and, and we saw it. I mean, and as well, Charlo using Charlo. I feel like Charlo was just being the smarter fighter, trying to be smart, and, and he knew what was coming up against him. But um, then again, I don't know. It's just those are my takeaways for, for, for Saturday Saturday's fight. Yeah. Also on the card was uh, Roly Romero. He, uh, he fought, <laughs> but he uh, he didn't get that great of a reception there in San Antonio. Yeah, uh, he, he got a lot of booze there in that crowd. Uh, you know, I, I felt he fought like Roly. You know, Roly's awkward power punching guy. You know, he's mm -hmm. not gonna look pretty, but he's gonna get the job done. He's gonna take you out of there because every single punch that he throws is like a punch with bad intention he, he's going Absolutely. in there to knock you out right Marcos, could you could, could both of you i want to ask i want to ask the panel real quick could you agree with me that that uh um roly is more of a street fighter boxer in the ring uh he, he's he's win by oh, any means necessary he's awkward but his he's style is, guy. he's it's more like a street mm -hmm. fighter because mm -hmm. i see him i was see him when he try to post up and i'm like Bro, that's what you do in the hood. <laughs> I was like, that's how you post up in the hood, you know? But, I mean... And, and someone's saying that Rolando is a young version of Ricardo Mayorga. And actually, someone ringside <laughs> did mention that. Mentioned yes. that he fights like Mayorga. But Mayorga... Simply look at him when he's on the on the mitts. Just simply look when he's on the mitts. You can see... You can, you can study a fighter when they're in the mitts. You can study so much when they're in the mitts. Even though some coaches would say... You can do anything on the mitts, and I can make you look fast. I can make you look strong. But you can also study a fighter of how slightly they probably bring down their their hands, their guard. How do they punch? You know, how do they, how do they turn their wrist? Everything. But you can see, and even when he threw his uppercuts, how he drops his left hand a lot, and he just rams it in there. He does have power. He does have a lot of power for his division. And you know, He's obviously big Colin, too. He has, yeah. So calling that Tank Davis fight. That would be a fight I would love to see, and that fight could also be obviously be a pay per view fight just because both like like to talk a lot of smack. And I don't think Roly name wise is is there yet for a pay per view with Tank. Mm -hmm. uh, even though it would be a great fight, uh, I think they're they're looking at guys that have a little bit bigger of a name. He, he's still getting his name out. Roly and Ryan are more yeah. appropriate at this yeah. at this time, considering the fact that Ryan sort of had. Let's face it. With Ryan dropping out of this bout, 
Ryan kind of stepped back a little bit, unfortunately, and he kind of needs to get back into the flow of things. Uh, he was having a good pace and fighting regularly, but this kind of dropping out and in the deal with knowing what the reasoning behind the dropout, he definitely has to take something to get back in. I think it would be a good comeback fight for Ryan if they were to run it with Roley or let him get another fight and then fight Roley, but definitely think that he needs to go through Roley prior to locking horns with Tank. Yeah, there's a lot of bad blood there between Ryan and Roley. And I, I do kind of see that like a, like an Oscar De La Hoya Mayorga type fight where like, you know, there, there's a lot of animosity there between the two. Yeah, they don't like each other. When you yeah, mention um, when you mention Ryan to Roley, you know, Roley's always got that kind of look on his face. Yeah, you're doing that look right on now. his face like <laughs> What are we talking about Ryan for? You know, he just he does not like Ryan Garcia at all. You can tell just Everything that you say about Ryan, he just sort of looks like, man, get away from me. So, And the same with Ryan. Ryan doesn't seem to be too thrilled when you bring Roley's name up. So he gets real quick and, you know, real witty when Roley's name is brought up. That'd be a great promotion, man, and a good fight. Yeah, I would know, definitely. Hey, uh, I'm sad that there's no boxing uh, this weekend. Uh, one of the rare things. We were supposed to get Wilder versus Fury. Uh, <laughs> that got canceled. Uh, pushed back to, I believe, what, October 9th, I think they said? October 9th. Yeah, rematch, rematch for Wu-Tang. Shout out to Wu-Tang. I've been waiting to say this. Rematch scheduled on October 9th. <laughs> hey, that's that's Wu-Tang. You got to go back and listen. But, yes, there is boxing uh, Friday and Saturday. We got fights on Friday and Saturday. What do we got We've on got Friday? Show. We've got uh, Showtime, Showbox, man, the 20th oh, yeah, that's year. Right anniversary show for showbox congratulations to showbox man congratulations on 20 years of great fights for us bro i'll be looking oh. forward to celebrating that the other thing too i forgot about that the bare knuckle fight you got a uh, page and uh rachel ostrovich oh my god dude rachel ostrovich yeah, she's she's a babe and a half oh my goodness hey you can't be talking like that don't you got a girlfriend mate hey. i do but hey i could still admire women jeez come on man Come on, dog. What the hell? Hell? You got you documented, still... man. You got so much to learn, Mark. You can document. admire artwork and not, you know, like she's a very oh, beautiful okay. woman. She's a babe, dude. So's Paige. Okay. When Rachel's okay. a babe and a half. Okay. You're gonna, you gonna be hearing this broadcast in 2037. <laughs> uh I'm probably gonna get a text later on. Hey, you know, yeah, you're talking about a little bit later about you know how you thought. No, and then, and then, hey man, on the 24th, bro, you got uh, Joe Joyce and Carlos Tackham fighting also. So, uh, Joe no, Joyce, no, 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 isn't it this week? Oh uh, yeah, it is this week. The 24th. That's on the 24th. Yeah, okay, yeah. there we go. That's at Wembley, right? Marcos, Marcos was a little bit sidetracked because the whole focus was just on the Wilder Fury. That's all we yeah. were looking forward to. All That's good. why we all That's wanted. Why he's to got us. That's why yeah. he's got up. Then uh, on the thirty first, we have a Fox show, but it's uh, no one. <laughs> Some of your guys' comments is hilarious. Yeah, I know, uh, right? Yeah, it's. I, I think Vito Milianeki and Gerald Washington is fighting Michael Coffey on, on on Fox. I'm actually scoring that uh, mm. for the telecast, but. Mm. Here we go. Here we go. All right, you guys. That's it. That's the Fight Up TV live chat for this Monday. We'll be we will be back uh, next Monday, same time, same place, same uh, channel uh, for Yair and Marcus. I am Marcus Vegas. Thank you guys for watching. Let's go ahead and get one more round of likes, everybody. This is the first time 
uh, you're watching, please subscribe to the channel. Oh, yeah, that's right. We relaunched our Spanish channel. Yep. So if you guys want Spanish-only content, subscribe to Fight Up TV Español. Thank you so much for listening to Fight Up TV. If you enjoyed this interview today, leave us a five-star review. It would help us out a lot. Stay up to date with us online as well. Make sure to follow us on our social media at Fight Up TV. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.